This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Dan Weederer, on-air contributor for 670 The Score. You're going to be relying on a lot of young players, guys that have to materialize into who they thought they were. The Bears are who we thought they were. When either they drafted them or guys that they believe in that were already here, that's guys like Justin Fields. Bears beat reporter and enterprise writer for the Chicago Tribune. Matt has pounded it home from the day he took the job with the hits principle and the acronym there and just saying repeatedly, we are going to be an effort-based football team. Dan Weederer. Get your track shoes on. With Bernstein and Holmes on 670 The Score. Dan Weeder is brought to you by Global Biotech Company Horizon Therapeutics, where their mission to transform patients' lives is personal. Our Score Bears insiders on Twitter at Dan Weeder. He's with us on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Hello, Dan. How are you? I'm good. I have uh, I have my nine year old out here in Boston with me, and he's going to go to the game tonight with his uncle. So it's a late night for him. He's missing two days of school, and we're doing a little experiment here in the Weeder household. What's the experiment? Skipping two days of school to go to Monday Night Football on the road. All right. I mean, I, I think that's a that that's a, a fine experiment that I think is going to turn out well. But the experiment is the way mom reacts. She's been cool about okay. this, which is which is great. And I, I think it'll be later in the week when the when the, the residual fatigue uh, catches up to everyone. We'll, we'll we'll test out how cool she is. Okay, good. Well, <laughs> well here we are with a, a Monday night opportunity for the Bears. And we know now that Mac Jones is probably going to start. Do you think that that fundamentally changes what New England is going to do offensively? I don't. I think that there is the potential for some residual rust with Mac Jones not having played in a while. And obviously he wasn't playing his best football before he suffered that ankle injury he Had five interceptions uh, in those first few starts that he made and, and, and clearly wasn't in the same sort of rhythm and, and sync the way he was a year ago uh, with Josh McDaniels. And so it's just going to be interesting to see how quickly uh, he can get his feet under him and whether the bears can do anything to make him uncomfortable. And that that's really where this becomes sort of one of the things for us in the coming months is to see how, how good this coaching staff is, right. And what they can do uh, with a, with, with a shorthand to, to, to try to make other opponents feel a little bit uncomfortable. Should we expect a shuffle of the offensive line today? Yeah, I I'm expecting Lucas Patrick to go inside and, and get that first start at center. Uh, Michael Schofield to start at left guard. And, and that seems to be the way they're angling. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what kind of results they get out of that and, and how uh, how it holds up. Uh, and so, yeah, that's going to be one of the one of the tweaks to look for. I think when we uh, get out there a couple hours before the game and, and can see officially who's taking those those practice reps up front. And then obviously, I think we want to take a peek at who the, the punt returner is as well tonight, because I don't think it's going to be Bayless Jones. That was my next question. I I definitely would have benched him and then tried to figure out whether you want to include him in this little derby to win his own job is up to you. But I just don't know how a coach can trust somebody who's made those mistakes. 
I'm with you. And and that's kind of where I've been for the last, you know, 10 or 11 days here. I think that's where the Bears coaches are at. Uh, the obviously you keep him in that competition because at the very minimum, you're putting some pressure on him to try to catch footballs right in practice and to, and to get that experience and try to clean up some of the fun, fundamentals that have gone haywire in very big moments in the last three weeks. And so, yeah, I think they're going to lean in a different direction that's safer tonight. And then we'll uh, we'll, we'll kind of have to monitor behind the scenes for, for the next few weeks to see if Bayless can can regain their trust. How can they get him more involved in what they're doing offensively? Look, this is look, you have 11 days between games and you have an opportunity to to zoom out and try to figure out some schematic tweaks and how you are going to make maneuvers to enliven the passing game. That means figuring out what kind of role you can carve out for Valus Jones. It means trying to figure out where Nikhil Harry is at in terms of game conditioning and and how you can use him and just figuring out what, what are we doing that can be improved. Right. And what are we doing that is not improvable and we've just got to live with. And, And that's why I say this is like a, a really interesting stretch here in the next month to see how this bears coaching staff coaches. It's, it's one thing to just stop and say, Hey, uh, we don't have the horses and and, and we're going to struggle. And it's another thing to say, let's find results and let's show that we can actually coach at a high level in the NFL. I mean, you look at the six and one giants guys. I, I don't know that you go down their depth chart on either side of the ball and go, yeah, that's a six and one football team, but they're doing a lot of things right. And they're doing a lot of things right late in games. And so it's notable, right? Like the reason you go out and hire a new coach is because you believe in what they do coaching wise and you believe they can hire a staff. And so now I, I really am interested over the next month to evaluate this coaching staff with, with what they've got to work with. Well, I read the story in the print edition today when you talked about Eber sort of raising the level of his team. The problem is when you know you're not great, how do you accentuate positives and how do you find those marking points without obviously lowering the bar? You, you can start the season saying every game is sacred and let's stack wins and let's prove everybody wrong and let's win the Super Bowl. But that that is a real delicate, soft landing that you're talking about. And the soft landing being, I'm still going to coach hard and I'm still going to have high expectations, but... The political managing of, of the management of those expectations publicly must, in effect, be lowering the bar publicly and when you stand in front of the team on days that you meet with them all. Right. And I think you and I have been on the same page with this really since maybe the summer. Right. And saying that that Matty Berflus had great potential early on to, to set a tone and get guys to believe and get guys to buy in, but that it was going to be much more difficult when you got to two and four and possibly two and five and possibly three and seven. And, and, and you're, you're climbing this steep uphill climb and trying to, to, to use, you know, positive reinforcement when the results don't allow for it. And so I just, yeah, it, it's a critical test of leadership and part of leadership from the coaching uh, standpoint is, is empowering guys in your locker room to be tone setters. And the bears have to identify who those guys are that, that can make sure that they can retain buy-in even when it's very clear that what they're actually fighting for is not all that meaningful. Right. And that's why I think this is a really, really critical stretch uh, you know, this month, next month into December, just for the, the building of a program is to, to figure out what guys can come to work every day with the focus and intensity that's needed to get results, even when the, the win loss column results aren't there. And I, it's a massive test for Matt Eberflus. And I, I think you and I are both sort of taking the wait and see approach to see how he handles it, because I, I don't think that there is a whole lot of outside faith that uh, we know for sure how he's going to handle it. And so let's see.
Dan, Bill Belichick's record against first and second year quarterbacks is ridiculous. Three and mm-hmm. 42 <laughs> at, at Foxborough. Like that's ridiculous since 2003. What are the things that you're concerned he's going to take advantage of with the Bears offense and Justin Fields? Well, l- l- let's also contextualize a little bit and, and understand that for a lot of those games, he had Tom Brady as a starting quarterback and an offense that could put pressure on an opposing offense to keep up, right? And and then you also had some some defenses in New England that are better than this one. Is this defense doesn't do anything spectacularly, right? And so when you look at it and you strip away the mystique of Belichick, you say, okay, look, this isn't a, a group that takes you apart on third down. It isn't a group that that's going to necessarily strain you in ways you've never been strained before. Now it's just a, a matter of can you execute and can you be crisp at moments that require you to be crisp? That's on third down. That's when you get in the red zone. You can't go over three, right? You got to put the ball in the end zone at some point at the very least settle for field goals. And so Lawrence, I think the biggest test here is not getting beat psychologically before the game begins, right? And being able to be sharp when you get out there and understand that, look, this is take away, you know, the, the, the icon on the side of the helmet and the stadium you're in and, and understand this is just a football team team that has been beaten a few times this year and that you can get them that said you're going to have to contain the pass rush right and 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 with this reshuffled offensive line that we're talking about it's going to be a challenge they've got to figure out a way to keep Matthew Judon from wrecking this game Dietrich Wise is another guy that that has been very productive in getting after the quarterback this year and so you better be strong up front so that we're not looking at an entire night of Justin Fields taking a snap, running around for his life, and then ultimately tucking, scrambling, and try to make the entire offense about what his legs can do after a play breaks down. I feel like this is one of those games where where it, it could be over early, and I don't mean that in the Bears are going to be blown out. I mean that both teams are probably going to try to run the ball, and we, you might get an early night because of it. <laughs> Look, as a, uh, a, a writer on deadline, uh, Early games with heavy running at night are, are, are things that we usually celebrate in the press box. It takes a little heat off up there. Uh, we're also got to keep an eye on the weather here. Right now, I'm looking out the window. It's still misting here. There's there's showers in the forecast for tonight. I don't know how heavy those are going to get. That could also impact some some in-game adjustments and game planning as we go. Uh, I'll root for a fast game uh, <laughs> from a, a selfish standpoint. Uh, but other than that, yeah, I, look, and Ramon J. Stevenson's another guy they've got to get their arms around quickly. And we know this run defense hasn't been ultra-reliable through the first six weeks. And so they've got to be better in that area too. All right. So hoping that there's no lightning associated with that rain, because that would delay everything. And then Dan and his Bite son, your tongue, Lawrence. Yeah, I know, I know <laughs> that then everyone is going to be upset and the experiment would end up failing. But, but with the idea that, that they are going to run the ball, I mean, if you look at the bears defense, how can you not say we want to run the ball? Do the bears think that they, took a step forward in in being a team that can't be taken advantage of like that with how they performed last week? Well, look, they felt like they played a better defensive football game, and I think that was uh, certainly visible right in the results. The, the commanders were two for 11 on third down. I know a lot of guys in the locker room were very excited about the way they executed on third down last week. And and, and when you, you're the only touchdown that you allow in a game comes on a six yard drive, you've done your job for the night, right? Like you've done a pretty good job and, and you hope you can build on that. The guy that you want to shine the spotlight on in the the topic of this conversation is Roquan Smith, because Roquan continues to tell us that he loves primetime football games, that he likes to to, to play when the lights are on and the rest of the league is watching, that he believes he's one of the best players in the National Football League and wants to be compensated as such. My response to that is, okay, man, show it, you know, show it to us tonight. 
You're on a big stage on Monday Night Football against the Patriots in Gillette Stadium. Show us who you think you are, right? And and, and you can't have all this this big talk that isn't backed up by results. And so so there it is, right? Like just show us that you can be the guy that spearheads this this effort to slow down the run. And the other aspect of that being that their last primetime appearance also comes before the trade deadline. So he, he could show that and he could get all excited and puffy chested and have 15 tackles and two forced fumbles and a couple interceptions. And then Ryan Poles can start making phone calls. Same goes for Robert Quinn. I am rooting for Robert Quinn to have a monster game tonight <laughs> just to remind people, oh, yeah, potentially elite record setting pass rusher still close enough to the peak of his powers to maybe help us make a play that helps us win a Super Bowl trade him too yeah uh, I I mean look like you're gonna want to be able to have as much leverage as you can and and be able to to make a few phone calls and say hey look these are some guys that you might want to keep an eye on I've been all along been of the idea that the Bears may want to do things at the trade deadline that other teams don't really want to and it's it's all about trying to figure out who the buyers are what their needs are and what they're willing to give up. And I think this is one of those situations where the incredible mediocrity of the league this year, where there aren't a lot of teams that feel like, oh yeah, we are, we are ready to make the full run at the Lombardi trophy here in a few months is so small right now that I don't know how many teams are willing to, to, you know, give up a lot of draft capital to go get guys that, that aren't bona fide stars, right? Like McCaffrey's a different, different animal. And the 49ers obviously felt like that was a missing piece, but I don't know that there's going to be a lot of people uh, knocking down the doors uh, of Ryan Poles' office, trying to get the, the pieces that he's got on his puzzle. But at the same time, I'm with you, Robert Quinn. Go go get two and a half sacks tonight, and and remind everyone that that you are a, a guy that at the top of his game is is really really difficult to block. I'm watching Sunday Night Football last night, and I go, oh look at that, Larry Ogunjobi's out there, and <laughs> he makes a, a a big tackle for loss on a fourth down play uh, of Miami. He seems healthy. Was there ever any talk from the Bears of doubling back with him? Obviously, that first contract, if he fails your physical, you're, you're not going to give him that type of guaranteed dollars or whatever. But had they, had, did they discuss like maybe talking with him and, and it doing it for a lesser deal because he had failed the physical? The Bears may have discussed that. Larry Ogunjobi in his camp said, thank you. See you. We'll, we'll, we'll talk some other time. As soon as that physical was failed and that, Offer was rescinded, and, and you remember the timeline of that. It, it prevented Larry Ogunjobi from cashing in on the open market the way that he felt he deserved to, to, to be uh, paid, right? Because you lost time, and other people filled those holes, including the Bears with Justin Jones. And so, who's been uh, good? He, he, yeah, he has been. He, he's been serviceable there. Uh, so, just in, as as the Ogunjobi topic relates, it, it's there. The door he he closed the door behind him uh, to Hallis Hall pretty quickly when when, when that off. And, and no matter what the Bears wanted to do, they weren't turning around and, and coming back for a renegotiation. Okay. I mean, that, that was just something that I was I was curious about and watching him be healthy enough to play for the Steelers. Like the Steelers as an organization don't usually make terrible decisions on players. And and I mean, I honestly am just trying to figure out like what was it about the Bears physical that they right. were able that he couldn't pass and that he could pass the Steelers. A hundred percent. Yeah. And that, that has never been fully answered in terms of what they saw 
on their medical check of that foot that, that scared them off to the extent it scared them off. I'll tell you this is, I don't know if it's related or not, but we, right before I came on, we got a, a notification that Ryan Poles was going to be available to us this evening mm. uh, in the press box at Gillette. This is uh, kind of a, a surprise and it's great. Surprise. And it's going to, it's going to be about 10 minutes, I think tonight. And, and so we'll have a chance to at least uh, check in with him, take his pulse and, and ask a few questions and hopefully come, uh, come up uh, for air with a little more intel. Good for him. Uh, it should be the bare minimum to be this available. Maybe he should be more, even more available than he has been, but it's still more than his predecessor, so that's good. Uh, Nikhil Harry is likely to make his debut, and it's a, a side storyline at, at the very most. But yeah. do you think that as big and strong and fast as he is, he's never been the receiver envisioned by the scouting reports? Correct. Whether it's not timing his jumps correctly or just not having a good sense for making plays on the ball... Do they think they can coach it, and do they think they can put a couple things in to let him see tonight if he can try to do it? Look, this was a very low-risk dice roll that they took, and and they're trying to figure out if they can unlock something. We know how much help this receiving core needs. At the bare minimum, you better have something in your red zone package that allows for a one-on-one matchup where Justin can throw a jump ball and you can test this guy out. Otherwise, what's the point of, of having him, right? And so you would hope that they've got a few things in tonight that that allow Nikhil Harry to use his alleged strengths better than he used them during his time with the Patriots. And obviously he'll be motivated tonight in that stadium to, you know, show out, right. And, and, and prove that he's a difference maker. Uh, so let's see, I know, I know that there's some concern about how many plays he can play because he just hasn't practiced a lot and they don't know what kind of game shape he's in. And, and they're just going to have to monitor that on the fly. But you better have something in there. And like I said, give Justin a few opportunities to just get a one-on-one matchup and and give him a chance to make a play and see what happens. All right, good luck tonight with everything you've got going on, doing your work, and then I'm sure texting and monitoring monitoring to see how the boy (laughs) is doing in the stands, whether he's awake, asleep, or how much cotton candy he's had. So uh, good luck with what you term to be an experiment. I appreciate it. I think it's a fun experiment. I, I hope it works out because hopefully we can uh, circle some other uh, cities on the, on the road in future years and, and make this thing a, a regular occurrence. I like the idea of making an annual event. Did that you, would be dope. Did you go to Legal Seafood at least? Did you do? We some? did. Actually. Oh, yeah, we did good, last night. He, good. We had some chowder. I had a uh, crab cake platter with some scallops and shrimp. It was delicious. Good. I'm glad you did that. I'm sure he'll remember that. Damn. <laughs> there you go. You got it, guys.